Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Lou Gowen. Hello, Swap Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. I should be sounding a lot nicer now. How the devil are you? Oh, you sound silky smooth coming right into my ears. That's how I like it. That's exactly how I want it to be. Yes, uh, the microphone that I did previously have uh, in these lockdown podcast editions of the Rust Talk podcast um, is now working again. It's working on my MacBook Pro. Turns out it was actually working the whole time. But um, when I plugged it in and it would go into StreamYard, which is what we are currently using to record all of this um, and do all of our streams, it kept saying, I don't know what this microphone is. It's not working. Turns out, if you just leave it for five minutes, it then starts working. So who knows? We're in the smart age, Luke. Smart phones, smart houses. They can figure it out for themselves. I just, that, that's how, I just rub my phone against my tablet until mm-hmm. it starts working. Well, good. Still trying, still trying. Um, I have got some uh, emails to go through, but we'll get into that into the main show because I've also got a hot take from yesterday's Quizzlemania, but we'll get into that in the outro portion of this podcast. We're going to be talking about um, another potential AEW injury of the three that happened last week and the debut of FTR. Here is the show. double or nothing episode um i've you know i've spoken already about my love of double or nothing as a show particularly the main event the finish for moxley versus lee and the mjf jungle boy match the Sheeda match just top to bottom a really really good show let's not talk about sean spears stuff 
And this episode of Dynamite, for me to get this out of the way now, is a five out of five freaking show. I loved it. I loved the revival, revolt, FTR debut that we're going to talk about now. And I thought the ending sequence, the ending segment of the pep rally for the inner circle that went into the serious angle, setting up Mike Tyson versus Chris Jericho, presumably at some point, that is up there with some of the best Jericho segments. Um, It was brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to get to that because I have seen that segment really split opinions. Um, so yeah, yeah, really, really split opinions. Some like you that thought it was excellent, either the Tyson uh, Jericho brawler, and others thinking it was hilariously bad. Um, Gorilla Position posted up saying like they thought it was you know a, dre- a, a disgraceful angle in so many words, um, and some people were saying like it was like Tyson looks so awful in it. Um, and everyone's making jokes about that. He's still he's still fighting with his t-shirts to to, to get a, get his t-shirt off. But we'll, we'll get... got to pre-rip the t-shirts. Yeah. But we, yeah, Hogan taught if Hogan's taught us anything in this world, it's a don't get caught and b always pre-tear <laughs> your t-shirts. If there was one lesson, guys, that I learned from the last five years, it's pre-rip your t-shirts. <laughs> Nothing else, Hogan. That, that's all you want to say. Pre-rip your t-shirts, guys. And also, don't get caught. Don't get caught. But we should really talk about the uh, the two big points from this show, aside from that, which is also a very big point, is that um, FTR are here. Yeah, for, forever, formerly The Revival. Also, yes. formerly The Revolt, although they were never called The Revolt. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> now the FTR. Yeah, F- it's the a rest, shame. One of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame because I, I actually really liked the revolt as a name. I thought it, you know, really got them as characters and also where they're at in their career. You know, leaving WWE and trying to revolt and do something else. Also, you know, there's connotations with "uh, that's revolting." I, I liked all the different variations of it, but yeah, they they did the right thing. Really, they let the established indie team take that name and now it looks like they'll be coming in as FTR because that's what happened at the end of the first match you know this was any other time I think they would have saved this for the end of the show and you know of course it would have been better with a crowd of course all of this stuff apart from the stampede match would have been better with a crowd of course it would but this really caught me off guard (laughs) Yeah, same here. I did. I was not expecting it, and it's the bizarrest <laughs> thing in the world because we've been expecting it for so long, pretty much since the debut of AEW last year in January last year. We've all been saying the revival are going to go there, absolutely one hundred percent. When they get the first chance they get, they're going to be going to AEW, and yet somehow they still caught me off guard with their debut. And I was like, oh, I did not expect that in the least. Um, yeah, I thought they might have waited until we could have fans back in the arena, but yeah, them debuting here and I did the driving in with the truck, which was way better than when Cody did it. In fact, I thought it was Cody again. Um, <laughs> but it was really nice. In fact, actually, Where do I park? It's been pointed out. Um, so kind of like Dax, uh, oh no, sorry, I think it was Cash Wheeler, um, kind of leaked ahead of time that they would be debuting on this show because he tweeted, hey, yo. And uh, then they wore denim jackets when they went out there, the same that Scott Hall did when he debuted in WCW on May 27th, 1996. So it's no. the exact same date. Wow, that's insane. What a lovely coincidence. And what a really nice, subtle nod 
to a bit of wrestling history, a very important bit of wrestling history too. Yeah. So, so what actually happened here Thanks is to the... Louis Dengor for sending that. Across. Yeah, I missed that. He sent that to me as well. Good, good, good stuff, Louis. Um, he so the the show kicked off with a few skits, but the main proper part was Matt Hardy and the Young Bucks taking on Joey Janela and Private Party. You know, obviously a really fun match. Uh, the private party are, you know, that they do sort of have mistiming issues and that they're not the slickest workers. However, I don't care because it's so fun to watch them. Sort of this like raw talent that's still being molded. It's really, really exciting. And that it's just, you know, super kicks galore, loads of flippy dives. Matt Hardy did a moonsault off the top rope onto three people. When yes. does he do a moonsault? Well, when he's this version of Matt Hardy. So Hardy's gimmick now is he's not this sort of, he is still broken Matt Hardy, you know, with Damascus and all that sort of stuff, but he's expanded it out. And I much prefer this version of it. This isn't teleporting or whatever you want to Vanguard rewriting. I don't, I don't really care. He is now a multiple personality guy. He could come out as Team Extreme Matt Hardy. He could come out as Matt Hardy V1. Here he was like, he, he was pre-Team Extreme Matt Hardy. You know, he was wearing gear from 2010. He So he's got these various different versions of Matt Hardy that come out. They come out to different music and they effectively wrestle different styles. And I'm way more interested in that than I am him coming out being, you know, teleporting all over the show. Yeah, what, what I really, really love about AEW, and there are honestly so many reasons to love them at the moment, is they'll do something. And I'll be like, ah, oh, that was a bit lame. And we'll talk about how it's lame. And, you know, a lot of people will agree with us generally because I think a lot of us have the same sort of idea of what we want wrestling to be. And then, honest, it's like the next week or within two weeks, they fixed it to be in line with what their audience wants. So, yeah. so you, you've, um, that, this is what we said. We said we don't want hokey, mysterious, legit magic Matt Hardy. That doesn't really appeal to me in the world of AEW, which I like. I enjoy as being quite a real place. They've te- and, and we all said, uh, now what's more interesting is the idea of sort of a schizophrenic, broken, psyche Matt Hardy, someone who's going insane, who keeps flick- flipping between different identities. And that's what we've got now. It's brilliant. Yeah, really, really great stuff. Uh, on the point you made about Private Party as well, um, yeah, Laurie and I, when we did our Double or Nothing review, excellent show, by the way. Um, the the, the, sh- the pay-per-view, not our review. Um, I, I said in that that I really like Private Party, but sometimes their moveset is so unique and... Uh, unique's the best word for it. It's so unique and creative that oftentimes it can go wrong. Mm. And that really happened a lot on the Double or Nothing pre-show in their match with Best Friends. But here, it didn't go that wrong. And when they nail the moves that they're trying to do, it's so impressive. Like right at the start of this match, they had a moment when they did this almost like assisted Hurricane Rana to the floor, like both of them at the same time. It was wicked. It looked so cool. And that's where private party strength is. Like you got it. It's like it's raw untapped talent. And I, I made this point on the double or nothing review, but I'll point out again, when the young bucks first started out, they probably weren't the smoothest of wrestlers either with their very unique and creative style. But now they're the greatest tag team on the planet because they've completely nailed that style. So to all those people that are saying like, take private party off TV, they're not ready, this and the other, just 
once that give it five years, they will we, people will be talking about this as one of the greatest teams on the planet. Yeah, um, but they might have botched something here because near the end of the match, uh, Mark Quinn and Cassidy. Isaiah Cassidy. Isaiah Cassidy, and he said orange then. did uh, Both did a stereo dive outside the ring, and Quen immediately rolls to the side, starts holding his knee. There's a bit of confusion. Like, usually this, you know, this seems naturally to be winding up to a finish, but then there was a bit of confusion in the ring where Matt Hardy, there was more bang for your buck, but then Matt Hardy was actually the legal man. He had to make the pin. It was all a bit confusing, but then Matt Hardy helped Quen to the back. Yes. I... So, yeah, this is what the in, another injury might be. Maybe Mark Quinn's injured. I think this was actually a really smart bit of misdirection because now you're thinking about Quinn. Now you're thinking about stuff that's not going to script. And you've also ridden Matt Hardy out of the ring. So you yeah. can so Matt Hardy can exit with Quen because what came next was the Butcher and the Blade jumped in to have a, a showdown with the Young Bucks because... There was a bit, a bit of a scaffold during the match between them at ringside. And that's when the revival, the revolt, FTR, made their debut and had a proper stare down with the Bucks. Yeah, it's I I genuinely thought this was a legit injury because Quen sold it so well. Cassidy was checking up on him. Matt Hardy was talking to him. And as you say, Matt Hardy then gets out of ring. And like the reason why I thought it was a shoot, a legit injury, is because the match completely fell apart. Like it almost felt like every spot that they had planned went out the window and there was just a lot of confusion, a lot of people out of place. So I don't know. Is this just like a incredibly well-orchestrated worked shoot to make me think, as you say, to be a red herring and misdirect me from the FTR debut? If it is, that's incredibly impressive. And I really hope it's that way as well, because otherwise that's four injuries in two shows is or three shows i suppose we can double or nothing that's not particularly good yeah and you don't want that when the whole idea at the moment is to be protecting health services not adding to their hospital beds um but you, you, to, to, to add to what i just said actually if it is uh, a work i i think it's a dangerous game to play just because i don't think you should sort of in in the process of a work say ah this wrestling match is fake you know, because that's kind of the, the idea of the match falling apart because there was a real injury. But yeah, I don't know if that works. But you know, maybe it's maybe it was legit. We don't know at the moment. Um, I but I hope Quen is okay. But yes, after this, the revival came in. They looked like they were going to beat up the Bucks, but instead they beat down Butcher and the Blade. It was awesome. Hit a shadow machine, and then they just sort of fobbed off the Young Bucks handshake and walked out. It was a <clears throat> perfect perfect debut in the sense that a i did not expect it b when they came out and they had a stare down with the bucks i was like this is so cool like this is what i've been waiting for this is so awesome like all of my notes are in complete caps lock at this point i'm just so excited about this and then they hit then they attack butcher and the blade and hit the assisted power driver go back to that stare down then the butcher and blade get back in and they hit the shadow machine on uh, on blade and then go back to the stare off because you're expecting them to attack the bucks or the bucks to attack them or as you then you know the young bucks offer out the handshake and they just walked away so they're not heel they're not baby faces but 
they're not, I don't know if they're heels either because they attacked the heel team. It almost felt like what they did was just to make a statement to the Bucks and then walk away having proved their points. And having FTR versus Butcher and Blade as like their first match in is so good because Butcher and Blade aren't the most pushed tag team in AEW. So FTR can just get a win over them and establish themselves uh, as a team in AEW. I thought this was awesome. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, and at the same time, you're immediately giving fans what the, what they want, which is the revival versus the Young Bucks. It's kind of like, this is coming. Don't worry. We're not going to give it to you right away. That would be wrong, but we're going to build to it. Uh, surely, let's see what... surely it's at a All Out, right? Yeah, you'd think so. But there's Fire Fest before then. It's a long time until All Out, September. But, you know, hopefully there'll be fans there. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, before we get into the rest of your super chats, let's take a, a moment to thank our wonderful Pledge Hammers on Patreon, who help support us in so many ways. Happy birthday to Solo. We just had a little live stream call with it before we got on this. Uh, he's one of our longest running Pledge Hammers. But thank you, Michael Quinn, Describable. Quinn, Describable. Very nice. Uh, Victoria Pink Floyd. Another, another brick in the wall. Definitely not Daniel Odom backwards, 
Modo Leonard. There you go. Cool. The Harbinger Doom Lion. Doom Lion's a cool name. Andrew Marvelous Mark Mercogliano. Mercogliano. There it is. (laughs) The Jigid Bearded Wonder. That's not Laurie. Peter Greaves. Oh, Laurie's got a moustache now. Robin Banks, Lee Roberts. There he is. Evan, great Scott. Yes. Jim Possible, Prendergast. Jim Possible. Very nice. Ashleen O'Connell from Cork. Hey, Ashleen. From Cork. Uh, Peter Fiber Brantos. Nice. Woo. That's the last one. Thank you all oh, so that was much. And thank you, of course, as always, to our moderators who are full of modiclorians, the best, Daloud and Mod Mother Jenna. I think Bumhead Rob is in there as well. What fantastic names they have. Uh, the Let's see what you guys thought on the super chats. Get in your super chats throughout the show because we'll be getting to all of them. Lex sells merch. Says, got to go to work, so I'll catch the replay later. Just wanted to say, I bloody loved FDR's debut. Haven't popped that big since Mox and AJ Styles at Royal Rumble so in mm. terms of sort of debuts at places. Uh, for me, it was, uh, yeah, Mox, uh, the Brody Lee debut. Uh, really liked that one as well. Um, but yeah, no, loved it. Dylan from Cork. Uh, get in touch again with a lovely, generous super chat. Thank you. I went Thanks, to see mate. a WWE house show in Dublin back in November where the opening match was New Day versus Revival versus Harper and Rowan. Here we are just six months later and 50% of those people are now in AEW. Rowan to be next? Surely it's more than 50% because both Harper and Rowan are gone and both of the Revival are gone. It's just the New Day that are still there unless it was... Oh, but Rowan isn't in AEW. Sorry, I misread that to say 50% of Maths. them are now not in WWE. Yes, I, I Steiner math, Dad. Do apologize. Well, Brody Lee, go and watch our really interesting interview on WrestleTalk interviews uh, with, with uh, Louis interviewing Brody. Because he said, you know, Rowan is purpose-built for Japan. New mm. Japan, a big, big monster foreigner. Uh, he I could get the really same... Sorry, he could get the same uh, success that Matt Bloom did as, mm. uh, as Prince Albert and, you know, Giant Bernard. E Jam King, AEW Tag Division just leveled up. Enjoyed the whole show. Matt is great. I also enjoyed the whole in a circle segment. Tyson and Jericho was real fun. Do you think it's too soon to split Wardlow from MJF? Wardlow. I, I was going to say, you know, it's Wardlow, right? Not Warlow. <laughs> it was weird. I corrected myself once when I was writing the script to Wardlow. And then on every one afterwards, I would write Wardlow and go, oh, no, it's Warlow. <laughs> so that's why I say the, say the wrong thing. I don't know where this is happening to me. I'm, I'm holding up pretty well in lockdown, but it comes out in weird ways. I also had the audacity of pronouncing names wrong. But I, but I should have I should have worked out how to say them before I did the record. I was pressed for time this morning. Let's get on with the rest of the 
full review. Um, just before that six-man tag started on Dynamite, we had a recap package of Double or Nothing, and then this really great cold open on the inner circle outside, sitting on some boxes, which were full of Stadium Stampede winner's T-shirt merchandise. Yeah. But Jericho said, you know what? It's okay. We're going to get ourselves back on our feet. We've only got two boxes that we need to get rid of. And then Santana reveals that he did a deal with a friend of his back in New York. And he was like, well, that guy. And he's like, yeah. And he lifts up the, you know, the back of this lorry to reveal there are loads of boxes. And Ortiz says, and I quote, wow, that's a lot of shirts. Ortiz has been amazing. The delivery of, wow, that's a lot of shirts, really (laughs) made me laugh this morning. Ortiz is like, you know, know, for all the stuff that happened in the stadium stampede match, Ortiz going, I can't swim in the three (laughs) feet of water was was what made me laugh the most. Um, It's But, you know, all they are is a T-shirt company at the end of the day. This is proof. Yeah. Uh, But that's this set up something later on. This is such a funny... Brilliant use of the inner circle. I I can't say enough good things about them. There were a lot of like some really good laugh out loud moments. Another one of this came in the Britt Baker promo, which I'm very much looking forward to getting to. Mm. Uh, Brian Cage ha- came out with Taz to just squash. Was it Lee Johnson? I haven't got Lee Johnson. Yes. This. Yeah. Uh, so an enhancement match really. And John Moxley was on commentary, and Taz sort of you know said. We're challenging you for Fighter Fest. We've got yes. the uh, we've got the chip from the Casino Ladder match on Saturday. So yeah, what we thought was going to happen, good solid first chapter. Yeah, so uh, they're going to be having their match at Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest, which sadly is not <laughs> happening in the UK. Damn you, wow. Steve Carino. Um, I loved Taz uh, gleefully watching Brian Cage do suplexes, which I think is porn for Taz. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, he would hit the draw claw for the win. Mox, I thought, was really good on commentary, saying things like, you know, I've been doing a lot of research. I haven't been able to get off the sofa since the Brody Lee match, so I've been doing a lot of research on Brian Cage, and it, him coming out here was doing more research on Cage himself. I thought Taz did a really good promo for, for Brian as well, and, you know, adapting his line of, um, uh, of what is it, uh, beat him if you can, survive if he lets you. It's nice just like twisting out Taz's catchphrase to now apply to Brian Cage. That's really good. They're going to face each other at Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest. After that, we got one of the people injured from last week coming out, Britt Baker. Uh, I did, so in, in another company, sometimes when people get injured, they just disappear with no storyline explanation. It's kind of infuriating. But here, Rick Baker, unfortunately, picked up an injury last week. Thank God it's not for a year, like was first feared. It's actually looking like a two, three-month deal of recovery. She came out to say she's going to be at All Out. So that's, you know, you're already putting a a marker in the ground for when she's going to make her return. And she was wheeled out here in a wheelchair by Rebel, you know, her the former rebel from impact i don't know what she's going by here i'm can't remember either but she gets her name wrong all the time which is, is part of the game but she's got role model right on the back of her chair in sequins which is very nice um and tony shivani was there to introduce him uh, introduce her but brit didn't really like the introduction so she just shooed him away mm. I, I do love the brit tony interactions and she talks about how this wasn't an accident this is a conspiracy 
and she goes through all the participants of this three-on-one attack that has probably been planned since the start of Dynamite. Um, and she talked about how Chris being an alien is a crock of S word. <laughs> Shido broke her nose, conspirator. Nyla Rose, conspirator. But then they bring out a second board, like a cork board, that's got <laughs> all the red wire tape all over it. It's a web of evil, and it all leads to Aubrey Edwards. Concussion. Aubrey was there. Broken leg. Aubrey was there. Broken nose. Aubrey was somewhere. It's definitely <laughs> her. That was the bit that really made me laugh. Um, yeah, and so she is now blaming Aubrey Edwards. And I would love for this to lead to a match between Britt Baker and Aubrey Edwards at All Out. That is nah. what I would love to see. Nah, not for me. No, I, I I think Aubrey Edwards is it's a real dangerous game to get officials involved in matches. Uh, I can't think of a single one apart from the five star uh, Eric, not Eric Bischoff. Um, freaking oh, ruin my joke now. Oh, Hebner versus is it Nick Patrick? Nick Patrick, yeah. Uh, an invasion. No, I I I think referees will never recover their seriousness and credibility if they have a match against a wrestler. So I don't want to see that. I just want to see this to be, it's an eel. It's an easy source of heel heat, just like how Brit rags on Shivani. She can rag on Aubrey Edwards as well. I I don't, I really like this, but I do not want to see a match. I just think that Aubrey's so over with audiences, particularly live audiences. I think you could get a lot of, they could have a very good comedy match. And I think it would be excellent. Name me one referee match that's ever worked. Or storyline. You, you've already said it. <laughs> oh, Hebner versus Nick Patrick. Which, I mean, in fairness, it is the second best match at Invasion. Like, it, be honest with yourself. It's the second best match on the card behind Rob Van Dam, Jeff Hardy. It's because they were potatoing each other. <laughs> it was way better than Raven versus William Regal. And Raven's the greatest wrestler on the planet. After that, we got the inner circle having an interview with Alex Marvez backstage when who should walk behind them but Orange Cassidy. Yep, just walks into shop, walks back out again. Which, and, and like, as soon as he walked behind, I thought, yes, give me a Jericho Cassidy feud. Jericho would have so much fun. You know, like how Jericho sees something that's hot in wrestling and immediately yeah. wants to get involved with it because he, you know, he just loves having fun. I think it's not like like a Kevin Nash thing where I'm going to put myself over. It's just like he he just loves wrestling and he loves creativity and the stuff that Jericho could come up with with Cassidy. Oh, are you exciting. saying that Chris Jericho loves to have fun? Yeah, well, <laughs> like all good baby faces. I I mean Jericho is in action next week. And the inner circle, well, Santana and Ortiz of the inner circle beat him down before the uh, the battle royale that we get later on in this show. So I don't think it's completely out the realms of possibility that Orange Cassidy walks out on stage during Chris Jericho's match next week. Yes, please. Because, you know, Jericho's plans right now, you've got to imagine, are being booked afresh. Like, they're, they're, up, up until you know, two months ago, he was going to go on a worldwide tour with Fozzie starting in like July. That's why he lost the belt in February because it would have been a foregone conclusion if he lost it at double or nothing because everyone would be like, oh, he's just going on the tour soon. Of course he's going to lose. So yeah, we've got an, an extension of Jericho. Drink it in, man. 
Um, we've got him around in wrestling for a bit longer, which mm-hmm. is nice. Uh, after that, we got Sheeda, the new AEW Women's Champion, taking on Christy Janes. Yeah, Janes, uh, she likes to dance. She did a lot of dancing during this match. Her hips, I don't think they lie. Um, but it, this, she got way more of this match than I was expecting. Sheeda yeah. won, but like Christy kicked out of the knee, like the, the mm. sliding knee to the back of the head that she won the title with. Um, which I thought was really weird. Like I would have ended it with the knees, to be honest, not the Falcon Arrow. It's good to get over both finishes, but you're not really getting over both finishes when one of them gets kicked out of. And and then at the end of it, Sheeda just celebrates, and that was that. It's your one women match on the card. And I don't really think it did a lot for Sheeta. I'd have kind of preferred a storyline coming out of this. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's tough to give AEW the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their women's division because we we've just I've done this dance too many times. You get a a big title change, right? You know, we saw it with Rio and Nyla Rose uh, a couple of months ago. Oh yes, finally, now we're going to get a women's division that has storylines, multiple things, weekly matches. And then immediately on the next Dynamite, just a squash match. It's a yeah. nothing match. And that's exactly what's happened here. And sure, they're, you know, they're down on talent. Britt Baker's been injured. But where's Chris Statlander? Where's yeah. someone to, to give some substance to this? And why is Sheeda making Christy James look so good? Yeah, I don't know. But I, I was actually quite disappointed by this. But as you said, we've done this dance so many times now with, with AEW since the launch of Dynamite. I'm not sure we're ever going to get a women's division taken seriously uh, in this company. Certainly not in the certainly not in the short term. Mm. Um, and that's that's relative, relatively seriously, because it's mm. not like women's wrestling is treated well elsewhere either. Uh, so after that, we got Hangman Page and Kenny just Kenny Omega just chilling in a backstage lounge area. This was in the shrink screen commercial break. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Paige is drinking beer and Kenny's drinking milk. I love this. I loved seeing them back on the same page as well. Like that, their moment, if, if you will, Hangman Page, um, after the, the the drinking spot that they had at Double or Nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really happy to see these two back together again because I love this tag team so much. And after showing no real signs of dissension at Double or Nothing, Hangman Page did leave the Elite at the start of this show. Where we, we talked about sort of the Young Bucks and Matt Hardy having that promo together. They were with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. And Page said very early on, I'm, I'm just going. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm off here. And Kenny was like, you know what, I'm going to go with him as well. So I'm looking forward to them getting back into an actual tag team match together again and restart that excellent storyline that they were telling um in the lead up to revolution hmm. after that we got cody rhodes coming out for a sort of tnt championship celebration promo uh sort of with tony schiavani in the ring and typically excellent promos talking about how his mother taught him grit that edge is annoyed by him stepping on his toes there how he I, I love the line about how you know he says look I wasn't the first. Tony Khan wanted to create the best wrestling company in the world. I wasn't his first call. I wasn't his second. I wasn't his third. And he just holds up the four fingers. Uh, I really, really liked it. And then he capped off the promo with some real substance, saying, "I, you know, I'm on the greatest network, TNT, hometown pop for the network, and I'm going to defend this TNT title in an open challenge." every 
week. This is how we'll get the debut of Zack Ryder in AEW answering the challenge. Yes! I didn't even think about all the former WWE mid-carders who can come in on this. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what we're going to get. But I, man, this is one of those promos where you, you watch and you go, this is why Ollie Davis thinks that Cody is his brother. Because it's, it's such a... He's the greatest babyface. He made me believe... I do not like the design of that title. And before people jump on me saying it's not the finished design, I don't like the final design either. Um... <laughs> But he made me love that title. He made me look at that and be like, that's the most important title in this company. That's how good Cody is. And I loved his line saying that Dustin got all of Dusty. I didn't get that. I, I, wasn't, I didn't inherit those genes. I got everything from my, from my mum. And then talks about you know, what his mum told him. I just thought this was a fabulous, fabulous promo. And now Cody can do the John Cena US title thing of, just having the best match on TV every week. Great. And he's so good at that. Like, if weirdly, in the company, like, just as Cody described here, that includes Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, it's him that I trust more than anyone to get over someone in defeat in a match because he's done it time and time again with Kip Sabian, with Sammy Guevara, with Darby Allen. Did he do one with Kip Sabian? No, he didn't. I sort of put that in my head actually um so yeah i'm really excited about seeing this and it's such a genius move because you are establishing a new championship belt here and you're now tying that championship belt not just as this prop but to your own undefeated streak it's like we're not just going to be rooting for the belt every week we're going to be rooting for cody not to lose it which is just going to you know, associate all that goodwill with the belt. The man does make the belt and they've chosen the perfect person for it with Cody. I'm so glad they went with him as the winner, as I predicted. Yeah. Uh, because now, you, what would you have done with Lance Archer? Completely agree with you. Like, you know, I did predict that, that Lance was going to win, but it, it's the same thing with the, I said, with the Sheeta match uh, with her and Nyla Rose. I thought that Nyla was going to win, but I wanted Sheeta to win. And it was the same thing with the TNT match. I thought Lance would win, but I wanted Cody to win. When Cody won, I was actually pretty thrilled. Inside the match was a bit clunky in the, towards the finish, but Cody was totally the right man to win that match. Yeah, really good. Oddly, it kept cutting to the crowd where Brandy was and QT Marshall of the Nightmare family. And QT is, is flirting with Ali from the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny. So that was weird. Apparently this started on Dark. So Every, Everything starts on Dark. And it, it really came across as a sort of Dark storyline, which <laughs> you know what I like because they're weaving the storylines through stuff. I, I really, really appreciate that level to, to detail, attention to detail. But I did, it, I did find it distracting here, if I'm being yeah. super nitpicky. I, I can only imagine that... The QT Marshall is going to accept one of these open challenges and mm. is going to get distracted by Ali or something, and maybe that will lead into a uh, a feud for what they call the night. Like him and Dustin have got a tag team name. I can't remember what they're called now. Um, versus Butcher and Blades with Brandy. You know, maybe we could do some six man ta uh, six yeah. person tags. Maybe I don't know. Well, uh, it'll, we it'll, it'll be on it'll be on dark. So who cares? We got a tag match up next. Uh, it's weird that people, you know, accuse us of AEW bias, but we don't <laughs> care about Dark. I'm sure it's a good show. I I say, people, well, people, time. 
people will just get annoyed now that we don't watch Dark. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian took on SCU next in a match that was for a shot at the tag team titles next week. Yes, it's next week. Hmm. Yeah. Two two matches, two title matches next week because it's a tape show. So I'd imagine that's why they've gone with the two title matches to try and help bump up that reign because tape yes. shows never do never perform as well. Um, but it does like I, I feel that since Steve Carino and we've gone into these lockdown eras of shows, that the ranking system in AEW has sort of fall, sort of fallen <laughs> out the window a little bit because at double or nothing we crowned not only a number one contender to the world title in Brian Cage. We also crowned number one contenders in Best Friends, who were already ranked number one, and they were having a match against Private Party, but the stakes of that were the winner of this becomes the number one contenders. So, cool. I mean, Best Friends should have already been in that position. And then we get to this show. And Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc are taking on SCU to be the number one contenders, but for next week. So Best Friends won a match for Fighter Fest, and these have won a match for next week. So if you're going to do this sort of thing, why bother with the, with the, uh, with the ranking system? Because neither of these, like, I don't think Sabian and Havoc are in the top five ranked teams. So why are they getting this shot? Like that doesn't, that for me, that, that goes against the whole ranking system aspect of the, of the company. Yeah. I, t- yeah, I totally agree. Um, and this was a fine match, but it wasn't like this killer match. That's going to make me go, ah, oh, but you know what? Screw the rating system. I just want to see them go for the belts, uh, which is a shame. Cause I, I, I love Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian, you know, you'll mm-hmm. find, few vote more vocal proponents of them than us uh, I, mean, after... I, I love watching them work together as a team i just think they're really like two couldn't be any more different people and super bad kip sabian and jimmy havoc but man it just works together it just mm. works loved it uh, after that speaking of you know number one contenderships we got a tnt title battle royal so this would decide cody's challenger for next week and it had, let me see if I've got everyone, all of Jurassic Express, MJF, Wardlow, Luther, Colt Cabana, Sonny Kiss, Christopher Daniels, Peter Avalon, Brandon Cutler, Billy Gunn, and Orange Cassidy. Yes, I believe that's everyone. And yeah, MJF had a promo beforehand saying, look, I'm going to win the match. I've got Wardlow, my insurance policy. And when it comes down to just me and him, he's going to do the, the good thing and eliminate himself. And then Wardlow kind of squares up to him and MJF like laughs it off like it was a rib. Yeah. So they are showing some signs of dissension between MJF and Wardlow. Yeah, which I, I don't want that now. I, I just want pure heel... Like that, I want them to be on a level all the yeah. time because Wardlow's being paid by MJF, right? He's mm. not hanging out with him because he likes him. No. So I don't, in my head, Wardlow should not be speaking up to MJF. Not at this point. Um, but the the match was fun. Yeah. It was the standard battle royal stuff. There were some really neat details in there when Colt Cabana was thrown out, for instance. Um, the tele telesales guy from the Dark Order infomercials gave him a flyer. Yeah, he's back. Uh, and um, yeah, what else happened? We had some. A really lot of it was in the with... shrink screen break. Yeah, we had a lot of fun stuff with Luchasaurus um, squaring off against the big guys. So he mm. squared off against uh, Wardlow and Billy Gunn. And it's one of those times where you're reminded, oh yeah, Billy Gunn's really big. He's really yeah. tall. 
He's attitude um, era normal height. Yeah. Um, Billy Gunn made it quite far into this. He made it into the final five. And then it came down to this sort of final five <laughs> here. And um, MJF and Wardlow eliminated Luchasaurus and Billy Gunn. Cassidy finally rolled in. MJF accidentally punched Wardlow with the, the diamond ring. And Cassidy and Jungle Boy eliminate both of them to come down to just those. They two, so MJ, uh, so Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy had a really, really fun uh, exchange of very fast-paced stuff, ending with Jungle Boy hitting the leaping Hurricane Rana uh, to the outside to eliminate Orange Cassidy. Really fun finish, but I think that you you would have liked to have seen more. You kind of you got you got this idea of them being this sort of like forever feud, right? Yeah, I think the eternal feud in AEW, more than anything, because you can build it from its very inception. You know, everything else kind of has years of context with the Elite or with Cody and Dustin before you get here. MJF versus Jungle Boy is your forever feud, right, in AEW. Mm -hmm. That's what you. That's the future main event, hopefully, if everything goes to plan in four to five years. Massive long-term planning. I thought it was a mistake that MJF won a double or nothing. I know he's undefeated, but I quite like the idea of um, Jungle Boy being the only person who has his number. Because then when MJF does ascend up to the top and becomes a heel champion, it's Jungle Boy who comes for him. I think that's a great storyline. And I was saying this, you know, a few days before Meltzer said it as well in his review of the show. I'm not saying he stole his idea from me, but, you know, I'm saying I'm right because Meltzer said it. <laughs> and then here I thought again, well, MJF Jungle Boy, they're your final two. And again, Jungle Boy eliminates him. I think that I'm not saying this was bad at, at, at all. I really, really enjoyed the match. This is just very, very nitpicky stuff. I think longer term, the best thing to do here would have been Jungle Boy versus MJF at the end. Jungle Boy eliminates MJF. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that MJF should have gone down to the final two because unfortunately you've ended this match with Jungle Boy eliminating one of the most popular people on the roster in Orange Cassidy, which, you know, and people <coughs> probably would have wanted Cassidy to win. And I'm a big, big Jungle Boy supporter and a big Jungle Boy fan. So I'm really chuffed to see him win. But him eliminating MJF in the final would have been more impactful than him eliminating um, Cassidy. I do agree with that. But the main event was flawless. It was the stadium stampede, no, sort of like fallout of the inner circle having a pep rally. Like in my head, I don't, you, you, maybe Chris Jericho had already booked this as a character. It already, this is the celebration. And he'd gone, oh crap, we lost. Just like the t shirt. So he, he changed it to a pep rally to raise his troops. This was classic Jericho. You can see this template of segment throughout his career, and he always knocks them out of the park. Festival of Friendship is the most recent. And that is, it starts off as an over-the-top, silly celebration of something. And by the end, there is a huge tonal gear shift where you, you build a very serious match and a proper good angle. And this was all goofy comedy between the inner circle. You, I mean, you had Vicky Guerrero introduce them dressed as a cheerleader where she was screaming, excuse me, and introducing each of them individually. Uh, Jericho saying they're going to rise like five sex phoenixes. 
um, giving out the T-shirts that they were trying to get rid of to the fans as a baby face thing. He, uh, Santana, <laughs> sorry, uh, Sammy gives them bad trophies, one of which is like, you know, best dad jokes because shops aren't really open at the moment. Santana gives Sammy some Vicks Vapor Rub for his injuries. Jericho gives him a scooter so he doesn't have to use his uh, silly crux. Ortiz can't hear anything at the moment. That's his new gimmick because of the <laughs> bell ringing. <laughs> so he just keeps going. Oh, really? Because like when that happened, I just remembered Ortiz's spelling of the bell. <laughs> and so they gave him like some earphones so he can now hear things again. And Jericho's like, yeah, that'll stop the ringing. And <laughs> my personal favorite bit of this was Jake Hager reading a poem. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's reading this poem and it's quite lovely, really. And, you know, and it's just this very nice thing about his best friend. And then all of a sudden, at one point, switches to how he's just going to start ripping people's heads off and kill people. So where the, the inner circle had to calm him down. And then Hager goes, the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it's oh, honestly, man. it's so funny. Everyone's playing their roles perfectly. It's it was all all killer. There was no bad or duff jokes in this and stuff like the the best dad trophy from Sammy to Jericho. Sure, that just seems like an innocent joke there, but actually there's some, you know, that Sammy and Jericho, the father figure, there's there's a lot going on there. It's all tied to character. That's yeah. what makes it work in such a satisfying way. And you go from all of that and Sammy says, well, you know, I've got a cheese platter and a little bit of the bubbly for us to take our mind off things. Because I think he said, well, what do you really want, Jericho? And Jericho says, Mike Tyson's head on a platter. <laughs> yeah. Really stupidly ridden like that in the best he, possible way. He once punched him on an episode of Raw in 2010. So they're building up from that. Yeah, he said what, one Monday night in whenever 2010. Uh, so that's a really nice detail to remember. I forgot that happened. Weirdly. Yeah, so did I completely. Uh, considering like how much Tyson Jericho has been mentioned in, in the last couple of days. And yeah, it, it turns out that the platter has already been seen to. Someone's eaten all the cheese. Someone's drinking a little bit of the bubbly. It's Mike Tyson and his gang of terrifying, legit shoot fighters who I can't say the names of. Now, I'm going to tread carefully here because I got a message from someone uh, last week who said that they are not going to watch this podcast anymore because I don't like basketball. Um, well, that's uh, well, yeah, because I because I don't know everything about basketball, they took personal offense to that. So they're not watching the stream anymore. So I'm going to tread carefully here and say I have no idea who these people are, but they did look super duper tough. And Mike Tyson had an excellent boxing career. I said he had an excellent boxing career. I was just asking what does that mean? I, I didn't know he was making a comeback. And yeah, so I'm, I, I, that is all I will say on that. I, I know what you I know what you mean, but I still stand by my point. <laughs> Mike Tyson now isn't as big of a draw as he was in 1997. That's that's Ollie Davis saying. Now that's not me. Get, don't at know him. Why people are arguing against this. At him on Twitter, not me this time. I don't know why this is up for debate. <laughs> it's quite like he. Anyway. I can see the viewership just plunge of live <laughs> viewers now. Uh, so, yet yeah, they all come out. And these 
I don't know. I you know I don't know the names of these people, but one of them was a two division UFC champion. He he only successfully defended his bantamweight championship just a couple of weeks ago, and then he retired, vacated the belt. He was there. I read one comment on Reddit somewhere being like. Well, during the pandemic, everyone's been hoarding Lou Roll. Mike Tyson's just been hoarding shoot fighters. And I love the idea that if Tyson was going to turn up at a show in a, in a legit world to start a fight with someone, of course, he would come with actual backup and he wouldn't tell you in advance. You know, yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't like bill it or tweet it. Like that, so I, I thought this came across as so realistic. And maybe I can see why people didn't like it, that it was a bit clunky, that Tyson did look a bit goofy when he went up to Jericho. He couldn't properly get the shirt off. There was one guy in his posse that just just was actually quite infuriating. He had, like, face paint on. But it all just made... It felt so real. Well, can I read you the Gorilla Position tweet that I was referencing earlier mm. uh, that said, this looks too <laughs> much like a hugely less impactful rerun from 1998. Shame to see AEW trying to recapture old WWE angles when it's doing so much great inventive creative stuff on its own and look at the state of Tyson crying with laughter face and then made the joke, next week Jericho is going to drive a champagne truck to the ring and give the elite a bubbly bath in reference to like and with a gif of austin doing the uh the, the beer bar thing and looking at the comments people are being like what the hell is up with tyson um that's embarrassing this is tna bad that segment was terrible oh dear that was painful to watch good lord that was awful to watch couldn't agree more they're the new tna um so yeah i mean it's uh, but i have seen like uh Aunt, well kenny mcintosh who we've now decided to call kenny kenny um after his favorite wrestler in the world kelly exactly. kelly so kenny kenny loved it you know said that he thought it was an excellent segment so i really have seen uh, people like you and kenny kenny in one aspect being like this is a really great segment and people on the other side being like well because wwe once did a thing with tyson AEW are just copying wwe now yeah. And, you know, if that's how you feel, if you feel it's repetitive. OK, yeah. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount the fact that some people really, really enjoyed it as well. What was your where would you fall on it overall? Well, I the when I made my comment about Tyson first time round on this, which, you know, got me a lot of heat. Um, I said the one thing I didn't want to do was for Tyson to make an ass of himself and for it to come across as a bit goofy. And when he struggled to get his T-shirt off, that was the that's the sort of thing that I was always a little bit worried about. The sort of things that people can look at and be like, well, that's silly now because he can't look at him. He can't even fight a T-shirt. That's the sort of thing I was worried about. But I actually thought that aside, the brawl and everyone getting in the ring and separating them was really effective. And I think it is because, as you said, it comes off the back of a very goofy segment, pure mm -hmm. goofy comedy switches into this really serious thing. And it did make me want to see a match between or something between Jericho and Tyson. And surely that's the point of it. And I thought that was, you know, really quite cool. It's amazing how Jericho works in quite subtle ways. By the end of this episode, he's got feuds and potential matches with Mike Tyson and Orange Cassidy. One of them, the hottest person in the in AEW, could argue. Another one, you know, an absolute legend in in the sports world. Uh, I don't. Maybe they will combine. Maybe we'll see Sammy and Jericho 
versus Cassidy and Mike Tyson. Wow, taking on the baddest man on the planet and Mike Tyson. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the, a word on that. That's, that's, a, that's a joke, by the way. A word on that pull apart brawl. I also thought it was really good because, like, I saw this bleach blonde head in there. And you know, like, WWE have a thing of, oh, there's a pull apart brawl, only the undercard go down. I thought yeah. it made it feel so important when I saw that Cody was actually trying to separate them as well. Yeah. I I loved it. If you didn't like it, all the power to you. Um, but overall, I thought this was uh, not a flawless show because weirdly, there's actually quite a lot in there that I, you know, there's the Sheeta stuff. She should have had more to do. I think MJF and Jungle Boy, more should be made of that. The tag ranking stuff being falling by the wayside. But even with all those little nitpicks i still thought this was a five out of five show yeah i thought it was an excellent excellent episode of aew and you know talking about the ftr making their debut there was some really good wrestling on the show i'm super excited about the uh open tournaments that we're going to be mm -hmm. getting you know the open challenge that we're going to be getting every single week i'm super excited for a lot of that stuff minor nitpicks aside i'm not sure i would have given it the full five out of five because I don't know. I don't think I would, but a very high four out of five is where I think I would go. 4.7 out of five, if you will. You are so WWE bias. Uh, right, let's get on with uh, Times New Roman. Finally, a good Hi. one. Oh, yeah. Can I uh, do my uh, my uh, support one first take from WrestleTalk.com forward slash support from Dr. Doom, who said, I was happy to see the Butcher and Blade back in the ring. Can't wait to see them get a push considering they look like they've just, uh, look like the, sorry, considering they look they have is just rad. I love them as well. I don't think they're going to really get beyond mid-card tag team, really, the way they've been used, though. Um, over to the YouTube Super Chats. Matthew Robinson, the Revival look amazing, AEW tag division. Oh, my God. So, man, the most stacked tag division in the world. Uh, Sir Chewith. Hi, guys. Love watching your reviews. Long-time fan. Been thinking about the next steps for Brian Cage. Do you, do you guys think Mox can stop the path of the cage? If not, what can, nay, why can, Wardlow? Hmm, I've got a lot of big dudes in uh, in AEW at the moment. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what they do with Cage and Mox because we're in the same position we were with Cage and Lee, which was like, do you want to beat your big guy so early on? Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do next. Well, this seemed to be always the plan to have Cage go into this feud here. Uh, so I hope they've got plans for him. I don't see him taking the belt off Mox, though. Nathaniel Davis. Is Brian Cage taking the belt off Moxley at Firefest? If not, who? Uh, so no, from I don't think he is. I, I, I think who could take it off him? I always figured it would be Kenny. Mm. I was figured that Kenny Omega could be... That you know, their their homegrown champion, if you will. I think you more also skip one as well. Brian Cage looks um, uh, from Matthew Robinson that says Brian Cage looks amazing. Great title match for Mox. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because then if uh, Omega's the next one, it's sort of that first main event, double or nothing. All three of mm -hmm. them. I know Moxie wasn't in the match, but they would have all had the title. Britt Baker on the subject of Austin Baker, the role model segment, but it said role. Uh, laughing my ass off. 
So role models. Well, yeah, Bailey's nice. got the trademark for that, surely. Matthew Robinson, Dr. Britt Baker's web of conspiracies led by Aubrey is amazing heel work. They can hopefully keep all this going while she is out and keep the heat. Yeah, same here. I'm actually really looking forward to the next segment between Britt Baker and Aubrey Edwards. Like Britt Baker um, coming face to face with Aubrey to ask about her actions. I think it's going to be some really good stuff. Spectre Grimm, in before Rebel, is behind it all. It was me all along, <laughs> Brit. Uh, thanks for all you guys do. Jam that jam. Jam that jam. Uh, Marco Talent 12, the role model name on Brit's wheelchair was an inspired pun. Very good stuff, Brilliant. mate. I'll let you take over. Uh, on the subject of Jericho Tyson, well, here we go. Uh, Carrie the G Gilbert, a horrible ending. Tyson was so unbelievable. Right. Okay. Noah Fortner, I thought it was a five out of sh five show until the last five minutes. I'm not so up on Tyson versus Jericho in 2020, but I understand why they're doing it. How everything's flipped. We were saying we weren't that interested a couple of weeks ago. Now we love it. And now what, no one else wants to see it. Axe Adapter says WWE version of the Jericho Tyson feud is Dolph Ziggler versus Hugh Jackman because Jackman punched Ziggler in 2011. Yeah, long-term booking, but uh, hopefully Jack Jackman and Ziggler do a comeback. Yeah, did they actually do anything off the back of that, aside from Zack Ryder winning the no. title? Yeah. Uh, and Josen said Jericho was the youngest AEW champion. Can't argue that, it's true. He um, was. Victor Vega said loved Shida's ring gear last night. That's the same gear she had at Double or Nothing, that sort of Tifa-inspired gear. It's very, very cool. Uh, Christian Baltimore said, because of his double or nothing performance and how great he looked in the Battle Royal, I am now a huge fan of Jungle Boy. That's the aim to get him over to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rich McCann said, I won Orange Cassidy versus Jericho so much. Um, glad Butcher and Blade are back on TV. Want more from them. I hope Ali QT line uh, storyline involves Butcher and Blade versus Natural Nightmares. That was the name of them. Mm. With a breakup and Butcher and Blade standing tall. I think that's destined for dark. House of Fuhrer, imagine Orange Cassidy versus Hollywood Rock. The stare-offs would be yeah. so intense. Uh, Mithril said AEW's issue is they give too much in squash matches. No, I would disagree because sometimes they give nothing in squash matches. You know, the Brody Lee squash match, there was a Wardlow one that was really cool where he just needs someone's face off of the top rope. The the Brian yeah, the Brian Cage one. Cage one. Yeah, so uh, no, I, I disagree, but sometimes they, yeah, the, the Sheeta one, she did give too much. Uh, Amal Jassim says, can you see Brock versus Orange Cassidy being a masterpiece? Yes. Harrison Earl says, honestly, wouldn't be great for AEW to ironically sell the Inner Circle Stampede merch winning jerseys. That Absolutely. Like, if they're not, they should be. Um, Rangers, like, that is such an ironic purchase. I think that's a really good idea. Rangers Mayhem said, in my honest opinion, Austin Gunn is the key difference between AEW and WWE with wrestlers in the crowd. He is a legit fan organically cheering and booing compared to being told what to do. Well, I think the, uh, in terms of the crowd, uh, of course, Big Swell was also excellent at Double or Nothing. Uh, the, the AW fans feel like they're there quite naturally. The WWE ones so far kind of seem like they're held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> um 
hello says uh or hello <laughs> says uh this is the greatest match this is the greatest greatest match i've ever known excuse me i'm burning up in your match your match edge versus orton like aew met in parts including the end mm. Uh, Matthew Robinson again said, Ollie, I agree. I have loved Cheetah since her debut and after her win at Double or Nothing. How long should she hold on to the title? Crikey, we're talking about taking it off her already. Um, and who should she beat uh, and who should beat her for it? Or should Rose go back and forth? Stay safe. I think you need a, a lengthy proper title reign. It's just, it's ridiculous that Rio's not been around much. I guess there's travel restrictions in place yeah. to prevent her from doing so. Um, but Rio Shida would be an excellent series, but I don't think she should drop the belt back to her. I think Britt, when Britt comes back from injury, I think she could be a really good heel champion. You've got a match made there already as well, built off all the stuff they've done with, with each other on Dynamite. Um, Miguel8a said, I'm loving Marco Stunt more and more with each passing show. His craftiness is plain rad. Yeah, I, I, I went through a few weeks of being a bit annoyed by Marco Stunt, but he's completely won me back over. Marco Talon12 said, MJF and Jungle Boy as AEW's Tanahashi and Nakamura. Yeah, yeah, effectively. Matthew Robinson again said, gotta love Cody. He is my brother. It's like he's talking directly to me. How does he do it? Because he is our brother, man. Um, Joe Ray said, have you guys heard of the report that Tyson Fury is supposedly going to fight Mike Tyson? Uh, also, who do you think is the most, uh, what do you think is an underrated movie? For me, I love, I'm oh, sorry, an underrated move. For me, I love seeing Matt Hardy pulling off the side effect. Much love. Side effect always works as a near fall. It used to in WWE. It weirdly, well, there's no crowd, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to hook me as much in AEW. Uh, underrated move, I don't know off the top of my head. Tyson Fury fighting Mike Tyson, I could see that happening as a as a carnival match, but Tyson Fury would would destroy him, I believe. I am um, so one you know, of the comments that were left when I last made my, uh, you know, when we last did the Mike Tyson video said that Tyson Fury isn't a draw and that uh, Mike Tyson would way outdraw him. Now, I've, I've well, you know, I'm not up on my boxing thing, but didn't he have like the biggest match ever last year? Um, well, I don't know if it was the biggest, but it's certainly up there. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I think people are confusing uh, the, the excitement around nostalgia comebacks with actual full-time current professional athletes yeah i mean I i'll be honest i didn't know who he was but i thought he was american did not know that he was from manchester uh mike apelli said hager going for an mma throw in the brawl was nice oh i missed that that's i cool. didn't see that yeah uh black adam said when mike took his shirt off i was like this is embarrassing but when the brawl broke out dude awesome face paint dude caught like three fades yeah, that is when it really leveled up. Uh, yeah, the, the Tyson t-shirt stuff was a bit awkward, but I, I was enjoying everything else so much. Uh, on the miscellaneous, Rich McCann, yay for Sean Ross Sapp, always happy for him and the great knowledge he shares with so many. What a generous soul. <laughs> Stephen Larson talk about Quizzlemania on their show multiple times and want back on, so make it happen. Ooh. To quote Ooh. Adam the Blompier, I'll never tell. Hamza Hamid, jam that jam is stupid. That's why Ollie greater than Blompier. Hey, hey, I like jam that jam. Jam that jam's great. Uh, Gabriel Caruso, Caruso alert. Hey Ollie, here's two bucks. Say Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia. 
Sir Chewiff super chat the show love to the Mecha Mods. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Mecha Mods. Gabriel Caruso alert. Again, you guys rock. Here's 10 bucks. Spend it on beer. Thank you. Uh, and Death by Giggity left no message, but a very generous super chat there. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very well, much. That's all we've got time for today. We just went over the hour mark. Uh, go over to WrestleTalk's Patreon page and become a pledge hammer there because not only is our full review of NXT Unstoppable 2015 up, <laughs> cycle through those graphics. Got it. <laughs> we've also got WrestleTalk After Dark this weekend for you, which is... Who's it this week? Luke, Laurie? It's me, it's me, Adam and Pete doing Wrestle Talk After Dark, where we're going to have some beers and get very sweary and talk about nonsense for a good two hours. Sounds great. So because you weren't a part of it, I'm going to assume you did not watch Quizzlemania. I tuned in for, for as long as my bedtime would allow. Uh, I was shocked. I, you know, I, I watched for about fifteen minutes after about half nine onwards. We did, we did half of the sewing bee, mm-hmm. and then we, and we had to watch this before we started getting ready for bed because this guy needs to be in bed by ten. And I, I loved just, I completely forgot the togas, and I said to my lady partner, "Hey, let's see how everyone's getting on." Press play, and there you are all in togas and she said why is everyone in togas and i said it's well wrestlemania night you know you know what just just enjoy the show it's too complicated and uh well we i came in at the entrance music round oh fun round yeah and there were already 6.3 thousand people watching concurrently at half nine it really has become a bit of a phenomenon it's our biggest show that we do above from the rest talk news obviously yeah well yeah it's kind of different though isn't it like concurrently that many people watching at the same time. It's an event. We've got an event, Luke. Hey, it was a video that trended on uh, YouTube a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I still kind of i i've um i've, I've sent a few emails around about Quizzlemania. Good, like one this morning, for instance, where it didn't um seem to index properly in YouTube, so not many people were notified that the new video was up. And every time I start an email about it, I'm like, uh, Quizzlemania, as you might know was the number 24th trending video on the whole of YouTube just the other week. (laughs) Um, But do you want to hear my spicy hot take from Quizzlemania 9? Well, I need a glass of milk. You know how I don't deal well with spice. I am on board with the Andy Datsun cheating conspiracies. (gasps) No. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Luke, he's one of our own. Previously, I'd have been like, do you know what? I just think that he's actually a bit good. He def- he definitely downplays how much he knows. And he has got that British self-depreciating humor, which is just that I am rubbish, I am rubbish, I am rubbish. Because then if you're less than rubbish, you have way over succeeded. So him saying, I don't, I- I'm, I'm totally going to come last in this. I've got all the plans in the world to come last in this. And then you come third means like, oh, I've completely exceeded all expectations. So... I totally think that is the thing. However, in the final round of... So if you haven't listened to or watched this week's Quizlemania, I'd suggest pausing at this point or skipping ahead so you don't get any of this spoiled for you. But during the final round of survival of the people who know the most about a specific wrestling subject, it was WCW pay-per-views. And Andy said at the start of that, I can't name you a single WCW pay-per-view. Can't name any of them. He got the first one 
because Brian essentially told him what it was when Brian was making his guess. And when it came round to Andy again, Andy named the pay-per-view Millennium Final, which was a pay-per-view that only really aired in Germany. (laughs) I don't even think is on the network. And the only way, Adam nearly didn't include it because it's not technically a pay-per-view. And like both me and Sean didn't write it down because I completely forgot about it. And so did Sean. Sean Ross Sapp forgot about it. The only way you would have seen that is because it is listed as a pay-per-view on Wikipedia. Oh, now I, that, that is, that is a spicy take indeed. One that I'm going to have to drink a whole gallon of milk to get over. (laughs) But I think what everyone always forgets is that Andy Datsun is actually a bit of a stat machine. His head isn't just that big for ego and like weird physical disproportion reasons. It's also because he comes first legit in Harry Potter quizzes. Like he he does have as an almost Rain Man-esque superpower of retaining information like that. Uh so it's it's well within reason that he has researched for a website article and that's that's remained lodged in his head. But yes, it is. It is an odd one. Yeah. And the, the man who could not name any original ECW champions um, did manage to guess Tito Santana when he was an Eastern Championship wrestling champion, um, which no one would have mm. remembered. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's given the benefit of the doubt. Let's let's keep an eye on this developing situation. As I said, I'm just. It's kind of like we talked about this. You can hear it in the um, Patreon uh, podcast clip that we uh, that we sent across to Vinny Shway for Wrestle Talk clips about the um, NXT Unstoppable podcast that we did, where I said, you know, that conspiracy theory that the Dana Brooke we have now is not the same Dana Brooke that was in NXT. And I, I said, you know what? I'm not one for conspiracy theories. But if you did put together like side by side images, I might say, you may have a case there. Mm. You may have a case that they are different people. I'm not saying that I think Andy Danson cheats. I'm just saying when the evidence is put forward, I will go, hmm, do you know what? Some of this evidence does suggest. Without any reasonable doubt, Luke. <laughs> Without any reasonable doubt. And this, this is full of doubt. Speaking of uh, Patreon, we had this email in from Dave, who says, Luke and the team, second time email, a long time podswafter, future Patreon backer here. You may recall that I suggested my favorite match of all time, Triple H versus The Rock from Backlash 2000 for the first time of your uh, for the match for your friends, as you read out on the 16th of April, AEW podcast. I watched it the other day, and it always brings a tear to my eye. Great minds think alike, and this being the case, I look forward to free Russell Talk merch with my favorite podcast. Uh, my question <laughs> or suggestion is regarding the topic of Backlash 2000, as, like Luke, I think it's one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time after WrestleMania X7. Several times now, Luke has stated that he would love to review this show, even bizarrely, on the WrestleMania 30 review. So, why don't you? 
I know you like to give uh, to vote the they give the vote to the SWAF Nation, but in these trying times, we all appreciate everything you do for us, and we love listening to you guys, not just the content. And we would happily let you review whatever you want in the usual quality. You could even suggest your favorite pay per view, Ollie, Pete, Laurie, and Andy, and then we vote anything to get Luke his dream. I am a particular Luke and Ollie fan. Ollie was in brackets um, of this and other projects, so I hope you take my idea under consultation <laughs> which is the name of my other podcast uh, regards to you and your family's dave well interesting i mean i've never thought of that idea before but you know maybe we could include a pay-per-view of your cho- choosing not from that month and a pay-per-view of my choosing not from that month and just include that in the patreon poll mm-hmm. i mean it's not it's not like completely fair because we get a run of all of the pay-per-views ever. Um, but, you know, for, for months where there's not much going on, like June and July, or what's another one, September, I, I, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe that's not a bad idea. What do you think? Well, we did come to that realisation uh, this year, just, you know, just last month, when we realised we're never going to get to review Backlash 2000 because it took place in April and WrestleManias have also taken place in April, and WrestleManias are always, always going to win over Backlash 2000, which means we'll likely never get to review it. I actually rewatched it again recently because me and Adam were talking about it on the magazine show, and it, I mean, it, it is a one-match card, really. It's uh, there are some good stuff. You know, Scotty Zahoti Dean Malenko is a great match, um, but the the hardcore spectacular is really bad. Uh, but I would love to talk about it. So maybe. Maybe, just maybe, we could look into that. We could almost put a poll up to the Patreons asking if they want more polls. <laughs> yes. Because YouTube's taking them away. Yeah. Damn you! Uh, this is also coming from Lucas, who said, um, "Hope all is well with you and the entire Rest Talk team, and thank you again for the content you help everyone uh, to content you've been doing to help everyone through this." I had a thought on the naming of the Steve Carino virus. Has Steve Carino contacted Russell Talk about you calling it Steve Carino? Just a thought. Thanks for all the amazing content. And Ollie, the Swaff Nation wants that chest hair. Wax, Ollie, wax, wax on, wax off. Uh, I was—I've been talking to a few people about the chest hair stuff, uh, and the leg hair, and the mm-hmm. forearm hair. Although now I've been watching Robin Williams' films a lot, I don't mind the forearm hair. I want to be more like him. He's a hairy man. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, Steve Carino hasn't gotten in touch. No. Uh, I, but Rob Van Dam is also so the Steve Carino thing. I remember first seeing it. Well, I, I remember coming up with it myself as a funny thing to do. And then seeing kayfabe news have beaten us to the punch like three days beforehand. I think New uh, Japan started it. Did New Japan start it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kevin Kelly, like in a sort of a, a thing, said oh. he started naming the virus Steve Carino because that's what I told you. That's what New oh. Japan are calling it. A lot of my best ideas are actually ideas <laughs> Luke has told me and I've forgotten about <laughs> that I've that I've also stolen from Kelly Kelly Kevin <laughs> Kelly, not Kelly 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 Kelly. Kelly. Oh. Calm down, calm down, Kenny McIntosh. We should we should call Kenny Kenny Kenny. <laughs> Has anyone ever done that? <laughs> Kenny, oh, Kenny 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 Kenny. Um. So no. Um. Uh, yeah. Rob Van Dam tweeted it a few weeks ago. Of course, I, I imagine they're very close friends. Uh, so no. I 
he hasn't. I doubt he will. He works for the WWE Performance Center. The last thing they want to do is acknowledge the existence of this awful disease. Yep. So, so no, no, he hasn't. Oh, uh, and last, oh. that, I don't know if you can hear that, but that's my cue, uh, my Alexa cue, to take the oranges off the boil for a cake we're making today. So okay. make this speedy. Alexa, stop. Uh, this comes in from Kristen, who said, uh, good morning, the other one, but the better one. This email is simple. It's a massive thank you for helping me get through a really tough two months. I've been struggling within myself for the last couple of months as I've not been able to see my children for a number of reasons. Firstly, I'm a hospital worker. And then like most, I had to distance myself away from children as the as I was people with Steve Carino, as I was around people with Steve Carino. Not only that, but I went down with symptoms of it myself. And for a point, I was rather ill. I'm a lot better now, thankfully. Not being able to see my children was so hard but watching yourself ollie pete laurie adam and randy andy datson you gave me something to take my mind off the troubles and gave me real hope that everything will get better so thank you russ talk for everything that you guys unknowingly have done for me personally and know that it will be continue i will be a continued follower forever many thanks Kristen. ah oh, thank you christian or christian um that's good to hear that you're you're back up and running and hopefully you get to see your kids soon mm, but we will hold you to that forever <laughs> I'll be sending the legal paperwork. It's like a Scientology contract we've got. The next one billion years of your life. <laughs> well, on that note, let's get out of here. Um, thank you all so much for listening. The NXT podcast is also out today. Myself and Adam, the Blompier with the mostly A, will be doing the magazine show tomorrow. And then it'll be the SmackDown review on Saturday. Busy, busy times here at Rest Talk HQ. The content never stops. Thank you all so much for listening. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.